for my uh, scratchy voice. Um, but yeah, we had a great uh, time Sunday. Uh, it was awesome to appoint the deacons, which was very encouraging, I think, for the whole church. And uh, appreciated Mike's sermon, uh, Mind the Gap. Uh, really calling us to walk with God and, and really walk side by side with each other. Um, and tonight's topic um, on the theme of together is going to be simply peace together. Peace together. And of course, you got to spell that right. Not, not I-E-C-E, B-E-A-C-E. Uh, having peace together as Christians um, is such an important uh, topic. It's such an important uh, matter. If we're going to go together... We've got to work out our disagreements. We've got to work out our differences. We've got to be able to work through conflict uh, in the right way. And Mandy is going to be sharing tonight. Um, I've asked her to share on a different, few different things. Uh, she being far more emotionally intelligent than I. Um, and she's going to share a little bit of here to start. I'm not sure why the first slide was given to me, but, you know. <laughs> um, but communication is kind of like that, right? Sorry, I put a cough drop in my mouth, which wasn't very wise. Um... We misunderstand each other, and we can feel like this. If you just thought like I did, then we'd be fine. Um, If you're married, you definitely know this problem, but if you have friends, you know this problem. If you have siblings, if you have any kind of relationship, you know this way this feels. Um, Yes, and so... uh, We were were talking about the idea together, which we're really excited about, because I feel like... um, God's just really put it on our heart during different ways. It's cool to hear Ricky being put on Ricky's heart too in different uh, a different way. Um, but for us to really come together as a church and to see the church the way that, that Christ does as the bride of Christ and that it's so valuable and it's so important. Um, but before we can sort of get to that part of really being at peace with each other, we have to resolve the differences. <laughs> and we know that if you're in a marriage, you definitely know that. If you're not happy with each other, there's no peace. Yeah, if you're in a marriage, you understand this slide completely. <laughs> Maybe you said this. No. Um, but in the over the past 3,400 years of recorded history, um, surely there was more years with dinosaurs and stuff, but, you know, human history. <laughs> okay, recorded history. We already are miscommunicating. Um <laughs> Humans have been entirely at peace for only 268 of them. That's just 8% of that recorded time in history have humans been at peace. So 92% of recorded human history has war as part of it. So we're obviously really bad at this. We're really bad as a human race at keeping peace. And, And we know that conflict is a real issue from... From politics, which, ugh, who ever wants to talk about politics, uh, to neighborhoods, families, different faiths, and, and, and the church were no exception. Yeah. We're all part of those groups. We've all been raised different ways. We've been taught to value different things. Some good, some not good, and we bring all of that in together. Um, so, so it's important for us to figure out how to resolve conflict and create peace. Yes, yeah, so we're excited tonight to jump into this topic. Um, the Bible is very clear on, on the fact that we as God's children ought to be peacemakers. Matthew chapter 5 verse 9, uh, Jesus says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Um, you know, we might equate, they will be called Christians. They'll be called believers. We know children of God is another analogy in the New Testament for those who, who, whom are Christians. And so it's really important as Christians that we, we don't just like the idea of peace, but that we actually go out and we make peace. 
when there's conflict. Because conflict, it's unavoidable. Uh, and not avoiding, you know, avoiding conflict uh, biblically is cowardice. Appeasing conflict, it turns into codependence. Uh, but, but we're called to, to be peacemakers, people who actually seek peace and find it. Um, and so we're going to have to resolve conflict. We're going to have to restore relationships uh, to be able to do that. And we can't go together as far as we want to if we can't learn how to do this uh, in a healthy uh, and good way. And unresolved conflict, of course, is a huge issue uh, that we have to deal with. And maybe we can talk a little bit about some of the spiritual uh, implications if we don't resolve conflict. Yeah, well, like the scriptures are written up here, we can see this. Um, un- it's it's so unhealthy for our souls. And so um, it actually blocks fellowship with God. If we're in conflict with each other, we actually, it says if you can't love your brother or sister, you can't actually love God. Um, and it blocks our prayers. Um, if we're married, um, it, it blocks um, not trying to preach the scripture, I'm just sharing the scripture, but it blocks our prayers um, that we're not able to to pray. So it is really vitally important spiritually. Yeah, so First John four twenty and First Peter three seven make that very clear uh, that uh, that's how dangerous it is to our soul to not deal with uh, conflict and to resolve it uh, actually brings health. It brings health to our souls. It's a painful process though, and not one that we re- we readily accept when there's conflict in our lives. Uh, but the pain of not dealing with that conflict is far greater, far greater than working through um, those differences. Uh, Romans twelve eighteen uh, says this: If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Live at peace with everyone. And so, amen, sometimes we can't stop that person or that particular group of people from warring with us. But as far as it depends on me, Romans 12, 18 says, I'm to live at peace with everyone. And so I'm talking about ourselves tonight and what we can do uh, to broker peace in our lives, in our families, in our communities, um, and and ultimately in the church as we're talking about that specifically here um, tonight. Um, And then James 3, 18 says, peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Um, And so let's see here just six sowing practices from Scripture. Uh, and I think even just from wisdom that you find um, uh, just in, in life uh, to help us in our marriages, our families, our ministries, our work uh, to learn how to sow peace. Um, so the first one here is to is make the first move. Uh, to be people who sow peace, we got to be people who make the first move. To be a peacemaker, you have to want to make peace uh, in the midst of a conflict. Matthew 5, 23 to 24 uh, Jesus says there, if you're offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them, then come offer your gift. You know, Jesus says, you know, if, if you're making an offering, he says, you, you, you leave it there. You leave it there at the altar. And so anyway, he's not saying don't, don't give your offering if you're in conflict. Because sometimes when we're in conflict with the church, we want to pull back in our giving of our time, our money, our talents. But that's, that's not what he says. He says, no, no, put that aside for now. Leave it there, but, but, but go. Go at, at once. He says, first go. So make it a priority. It's urgent to resolve conflict. Uh, and so sometimes it's more important to resolve conflict than to be at this meeting, if that makes sense. And I'm glad everybody's here. But, you know, if you need to work out something in your, in your personal relationship with somebody, that might be even more important than you coming here tonight to this meeting. Because that's how important it is to work out our conflict, according to what Jesus says here in Matthew 5, verses 23 uh, to 24. Uh, so it, it, it's very important, but there are always obstacles to working out our conflict. And going to share about a few of those. 
Yeah, and we could all share about lots of conflict, uh, lots of uh, obstacles to conflict. Um, personalities is a big one. I think that some of us we just miss each other. We don't get each other. We don't, and, and that's a beautiful thing. God has made us all really different and unique, and created all different parts of the body, and we need each other. But sometimes we misunderstand someone, or we um, misread things. That can be a, a, a conflict. Um, I mean, Forrest and I, in, I mean, in marriage, we're quite different. We have ways we're similar, but we also can be quite different. And we were listening to this lesson um, that was talking about resolving conflicts together. And in it, he talked about how you're either a skunk or a turtle. And so the skunk, you know, the skunk is... Do you have skunks in England? Oh, okay. So skunks, you don't have them in Australia either, but skunks like spray this like spray. They attack you. They spray. It's terrible. It smells terrible. Um, and turtles pull their heads in and hide. And and I think often we're one of the two, right? Either we're the ones pulling in, and you could tap your partner and say, "That's me," or "That's you." Um, and we all react differently. Um, I think an obstacle can also just be time. We, we know there's tension, we know that there's funny feelings, and but we just don't prioritize it. Or we don't want to, I mean, who wants to prioritize talking about conflict? Um, so I think we have to make the time. We can't be too busy to resolve yep. things. Yeah, and I think the, ultimately the only way to resolve a conflict is to face it. And we've got to learn to face our conflicts. Um, and especially as Christians, if, if I'm a Christian and you're a Christian, what... There's nothing. There's nothing. If you think about it literally, if I'm filled with the Spirit, you're filled with the Spirit, you're obeying the Bible, I'm obeying the Bible, there's nothing we cannot resolve. There's nothing we cannot resolve. And that doesn't mean necessarily we see it the same way, but we can be reconciled in our relationship and we can move forward. Uh, so we've got to make the first move. The second thing here is ask God for wisdom. Ask God for wisdom. James says this, right, in James 1 verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Walking into a conversation about conflict can feel like you're walking into a minefield. You already know. You already know what what, what may happen, how it may go, and it can feel a bit tricky. Uh, but God wants to give us wisdom, even in those hard and difficult conversations. Um, the other passage that's interesting to think about is Proverbs 19, verse 11. It says there, a person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. And so the other thing we've got to ask ourselves as far as wisdom is, is this worth having a conflict over? Is this confrontation or this conversation really something I need to have? And we also need to ask ourselves that because the Bible says here, it's to one's glory to overlook an offense. And obviously we don't want to be doormats. Jesus was not a pushover. He, he dealt with things as he needed to, but there is something about just being gracious and letting things go that can be just as powerful and just as wise as dealing with that conflict. Um, but if we can't let it go, uh, we can't be gracious, we can't seem to work through that, and then there must be wisdom um, in, in, in how we might deal with things. Um, it's already tense, so let's not add to it by being stupid. And the way we approach things and the way we say things, you know, we're just adding kerosene to the fire at that point. You know, what we talk about, how we say things, when we talk about them. One of the greatest mistakes we made early on in our marriage was having these dramatic, intense talks at like 11.30, 12 o'clock at night. Oh, and then, you know, and it's amazing. It just goes from, 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 from sort of bad to really bad to just terrible. 
in about a half an hour after midnight, you know, because you're emotional, you're tired, and you're just not thinking clearly, and, and, and it just is never a good recipe uh, for working out conflict. And that might be true with just any relationship, but certainly I've seen it in my marriage. Or, you know, the other thing is just going round and round and round. After a while, if we can't see it the same way, and it's not a biblical truth, maybe we just need to move on. The Bible calls that quarreling, when we just go round and round and round. And so again, what, how, and when? Ask God for wisdom, and He will give it to us, I believe, in His Word gives us much. The third thing here is begin with what's my fault. Begin with what's my fault. Not their fault. What's my fault? And of course that's the challenge. Oftentimes we want to look at the other person or the other uh, group of people rather than at ourselves first and foremost. Um, the main sources of conflict are always within us. Right? James 4 verse 1 says, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? So our self-centeredness oftentimes, our selfishness, pride, ego, that's often the source of that, of that conflict uh, with other people in our lives. Um, Maybe I'll share a little bit about the challenge with that. Yeah, I know for myself, when I'm at peace inside, when I'm secure with God, um, the outside comments, or, and even things that can be hurtful, they just don't hurt me the same way. And um, we went back to Australia, uh, we just came back from visiting my family, and like my, I have a great family, they're, they're disciples, I'm very blessed, but like everybody's families, there's tension points, and we all know how to push them with each other. Um, and so every day I would, write, I would read the scriptures in James on the tongue, I read through Proverbs while we were there, and I journaled every day. And it's amazing how just... Just doing that for myself when things would be said that would in the past make me like, oh, oh, or be touchy or offended or want to sort of say something back, it didn't affect me the same way. Um, and God's word is so powerful that, that he can give us that peace, even if, even if, because we're always all going to say something the wrong way sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, but it really does start about, it starts with me, and, and then that hurts me a lot less. Um, yes. Is that what I was going to... Oh. Um, and, and if it's not about me, I can, I can disagree without being offended as well. So if it's not, if I'm not making the, whatever the situation may be, I could name many, but if it's not, if I'm not making it personal, then I'm not offended. And when I am offended, often I've made it personal and my own ego is involved as well. Um, in, in this uh, lesson we were listening to on marriage, he was talking about marriage, and, and uh, it was the same lesson actually, it was a really good lesson, but he said, you know, people divorce over, they say they're incompatible or irreconcilable differences. Um, but the, cho- the real thing is we choose to not find peace. Yeah. Because we're all incompatible at times. <laughs> like, like we're two humans. I mean, we give birth to children genetically like us and we're incompatible with them at times. Yeah. So it just is the way it is as sinful people. Um, we have to choose, we have to choose to find peace. And that peace really comes with, from within us, not from the other person. Yeah, it's, it's always more rewarding to resolve a conflict than to dissolve a relationship. It's always more rewarding to, to resolve a conflict than to dissolve a relationship. But our self-centeredness uh, will certainly stop that. Um, the other aspect of our simple nature that's probably the most obvious with conflict is our pride. 
You know, signs of pride in, in our relationships. When we're too stubborn, we're too sensitive, we're ungrateful, we're over-demanding. Those are all signs that pride perhaps are the source uh, of our conflict. Proverbs 13 verse 10 says, Where there is strife, there is pride. But wisdom is found in those who take advice. You know, almost all conflict comes from our, our selfishness. Or our pride are oftentimes a combination um, of both. But we know Jesus, He calls us right to, to really deal with self first and foremost in any conflict. He says in Matthew 7 verse 3, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. You know, if I can see what my fault is, then I can see to help others. But a lot of times I'm often focused on the fault of them rather than seeing my fault. And Jesus says that's actually the opposite of how you really resolve conflict uh, in one another's lives. Uh, So the fourth thing here. um, Listen for hurt and see perspective. Listen for hurt and see perspective. Um, I figured I'd let Manny talk about this because she's much more in touch with her emotions than I (laughs) am. Well, I'm feeling really hurt. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, Did I offend you? <laughs> no. Um, I think... I, w- I don't want to generalize all women, but I think more women, we are more in touch with our feelings, generally speaking, not always. Uh, but we tend to argue over feelings, not ideas, usually. It's not usually like... Oh, I just, the way you broke, I, don't, I can't even think of a, a logical example that shows how illogical I am. <laughs> I would have had to have written it down to know. You just know you feel um, something. I just know right now I'm feeling something. Um, but that tends to be what the, we break down over. And so I think, um, and you've all heard this, you know, hurt people hurt people. And it's true. When we're hurt, we hurt others. And um, so I think we have to learn to listen to the emotion behind what's being said. Um, and so with each other, with the women, and, and some men are emotional too. So if the shoe fits, for, if you, I'm not only saying women are emotional, but I think we have to ask, ask a lot of questions. Like, it seems like you're reacting to what I said. Did I trigger something just now? Or um, was it the way I said it? Was it the question I asked? Because somehow... The way you're, I'm not sure I understand the way you're feeling. Instead of just getting hurt back. Um, so, um, yeah, I think that helps. Yeah, and men, we, we don't tend to, to feel a whole lot, but we usually just feel angry. That's typically what we feel. If we're, and so if we're feeling angry, or we're sensing anger from another person, we again, we need to take a step back and say, well, what is, what is really the issue here? Why, why is there anger here that's, that's welling up? Uh, James 1.19 says, My dear brothers and sisters... Take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And I think it's interesting, if we, if we were quick to listen and slow to speak, would, would that anger actually not actually come out? Because we've actually really heard one another. We've actually really uh, uh, you know, spoken then uh, with, with, with thought and with care and with concern uh, and with Christ-likeness. Um, and you know, for me, uh, you know, my anger... Uh, you know, generally comes out because I'm a poor listener. I'm naturally not a good listener. Um, 
I've been working on that for almost 18 years in my marriage. Uh, I've been working on that for about the same time in the ministry. I'm not. I'm naturally not a good listener. I'm a. I'm a talker. I'm a. I'm a communicator. I, you know, and and I'm a, and I'm good at that, and, and, and need to grow in that always. But but I'm not a good listener. And uh, and I've been in conversations recently with brothers where I've definitely hurt them and I've I've offended them and I've 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 pricked them the wrong way because I I just have not done a good job listening to them uh, and I need to keep growing in that. Um, and, and I think uh, it's so easy, uh, you know, as men to just dismiss, you know, feelings and emotions. But there's always things there we can learn if we're willing to listen. Uh, we have two ears and one mouth for a reason, uh, right? And we got to always remember that. Philippians 2, verses 3 through 4. In humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. You know, if we really approach each other that way in the midst of a conflict, let me, let me really value what they're feeling, what they're going through, how they're struggling more, more than what I'm feeling and what I'm going through, what I'm struggling with. If we really approach each other that way in a conflict, we're going to find reconciliation and even sometimes, dare I say, uh, resolution. Uh, but that takes a real sense of denying ourselves. That takes a real maturity, uh, a real guidance by the Holy Spirit to really listen and to really seek understanding in that person's life who, who, who has uh, some kind of conflict uh, with us. Uh, and, and in my experience, that, that view of theirs, those feelings, they could be 99% wrong. But my job is to hear the 1%. That's actually right. That, that, that I need to hear. And if I can do that, it's amazing how uh, my relationships can change. Uh, it's interesting there in Philippians 2. Uh, it says, look, looking to your own interests. That Greek uh, phrase there, it, it, it's skopio. And it literally means to focus. And so we ought to be focusing on their needs in the midst of the conflict, not our own. And Jesus, of course, was just like that, wasn't he? And that's why he was able to have such an impact on so many, although he did have a lot of conflict. Romans 15, verses 1 through 2. We who are strong, and if we spiritually consider ourselves strong, we ought to be peacemakers, ought to bear with the failings of the weak. And not to please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good to build them up. And so within the church and, and, and even outside the church, these concepts, they truly can work. Uh, but we must be willing to, to really seek out people and understand where they're coming from. Uh, two more here, two more principles. Um, and then we'll wrap it up here. Uh, is speak the truth well. Uh, the fifth principle here is to speak the truth well. Ephesians 4.15 Speaking the truth in love. Right? We will, we will somehow then mature. Uh, as the body of Christ. Um, you know, most of us tend to uh, be good at speaking the truth or, 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 or the love. But this says we have to combine them, right? And we have to, you know, balance those out. You know, not just what we say, but how we say it. Truth and love. Man's going to share briefly here. Um, yeah. Well, I know this one for me... Um, I think for a long time I've had to learn to speak the truth and to be courageous and to go toward those hard conversations. That wasn't my strength. Um, as I've gotten older and probably grumpier, um, it's a bit easier to say what I think. Um, but that doesn't mean it's in love. Um, and there's been a couple times we've been in conversations, and one was a long time ago, um, one of our first really intense marriage situations and this it's too long to tell the story, but this guy that he was going after his his wife, but 
He was accusing her. He was being horrible to her. And I was sitting there and I, I just didn't know, like felt all the anger rise inside of me. Like he's falsely accusing her of all these things. And he ended up leaving and he'd been unfaithful. It was terrible. But, I, but instead of just, you know, sort of being quiet and letting my husband speak, I just went, shut up. Yeah. So that definitely didn't help the situation at all. Forrest was like, Mandy, leave the room. Leave the room. Well, after he, he got up and was And then he got fight. up and was trying to fight. He was yeah, going to fight me. Yeah. I was just like, Forrest was like, get out of here. Just get out of here. Um, so that's one of my more embarrassing counseling moments. Um, but because I wasn't... That was over 10 years ago, by the way. We, we've, you know, we've matured since Just a few weeks ago. Wasn't here. Wasn't here. Actually, it was 15 years ago. Yeah, yeah, we were like pretty young marrieds ourselves. Yeah, it was about ten years ago. No, it was fifteen. 15. Um, <laughs> anyways, this isn't about this. Um, but I think it, if I was speaking the truth more in a loving way, it wouldn't come out in this angry form. And that mm. can happen where I build so much stuff up mm. and then it's like that. And maybe you can relate. Maybe you haven't told someone to shut up. I went back to my bedroom and I was like, called my mom. I just told him to shut up. So she actually thought it was funny, which it wasn't funny, but what is she going to do? Um, but there was actually a point to this. Um, yes. Um, speak the truth in love. Like never try to be persuasive when you're abrasive. Mm. Doesn't work. Yep. Um, trying to persuade each other when we're already feeling irritated, it, it's, it doesn't ever go well. And we've probably all been guilty of this. Um, try, never, never, this sounds very English, never get your point across when you are cross. <laughs> So when you're cross, don't get your point. That felt very British. Um, and, and wrapping it in love. Like if we're going to speak the truth in love is key. We can't... And I think too, identifying when to speak the truth in love. When someone is, is going through a hard time in life, someone is grieving, someone is hurting, it's not really helpful to come and point out all the things that you want to speak the truth and then love to them. So making, I think part of it is timing too, is making sure we yeah. speak the truth in love at the right at time, the right time so yep. that we we are in tune with each other. Yep. So. Proverbs 12, 18, The word of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Ephesians 4, 29, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. And they may benefit those who listen. Sixth and final principle here, we'll wrap it up, is focus on reconciliation, not resolution. Uh, of course, Matthew 5, 23 to 24, we read earlier, it says, you know, first go and be reconciled to your brother. It doesn't say first go and resolve the issue. It says go and be reconciled. Unfortunately, resolution is not always possible uh, in any conflict. Uh, and and, and more, more than not, in my experience, it's hard to get absolute resolution in the midst of a conflict. But Jesus doesn't call us to absolute resolution. He calls us to absolute reconciliation. It's not about the facts. It's about being brothers and sisters um, in the end. Um, you know, you can disagree without being disagreeable. You can have unity without uniformity. You can walk hand in hand without seeing eye to eye. You can have reconciliation without resolution. 
And the Bible teaches that principle uh, quite clearly. And of course, that's the ministry that God really envisions the church to be. Paul talks about it in 2 Corinthians 5, verses 18-19. It says, All of this is from God who reconciled us to Himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to Himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. And ultimately, of course, that's the reconciliation that we offer to the world with God. That they can can be saved, they can be forgiven of their sins, and they can be reconciled to God. But when people are reconciled to God, they become God's children. And when we're God's children, we just read in Matthew 5, we become peacemakers. Peacemakers. Peacemakers will be called children of God. And so as we close out here, because it's, uh, it's uh, 8.32, unless you have something else you want to add. Um, yeah. It was 15 years ago. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, I just had to. That actually wasn't what I was going to say. Um, over the next year, there is, I think there's 56 one another scriptures. Maybe more. Something like that anyway. There's lots. And so as... For the women's midweek, so once a month as a woman, we're going to study them out all together. And I want lots of different people to get to share from the scriptures. But I really want us to be able to grow in this and grow in our relationships together um, and help bring people to Christ together. So, yeah, that was it. Amen. Yeah, the men will be doing the same thing. Uh, yeah, so the first midweeks, the rest of the year will be all together. And then the second midweeks will be split men and women. We look forward to exploring, uh, you know, uh, our one another relationships together uh, as the year uh, continues. And so to close out here, you know, what, I'm sorry, who do you need to make peace with? You know, what is the Spirit putting on your heart right now? Are there some people in this room you need to make peace with? There's some people outside of this room you need to make peace with. As long as it is up to you, have you done what you can do? To make that peace. We may not be able to work that out with them. But as far as it's up to us, we're going to work it out. And what can you do to, to help broker that peace? Well, you know, these six principles give us a lot of guidelines, a lot of scriptures uh, that might help. Um, yeah, so uh, uh, Ricky had suggested this, and I thought it was a great idea to go along with that together. That we fast together as a church to really humble ourselves before God. To really make sure that we really are not just liking the idea of going together, but that we really are knitting our hearts together under God as a church. Uh, and so, uh, in our family groups, I'd like us to discuss having uh, you know different kinds of fasts. Maybe you want to do a Daniel fast as a family group, where you abstain from you just eat you know vegetables and fruit for a certain time. Uh, maybe you want to do a multi-day fast. Uh, I know with some people's health issues, not everyone can do this those kinds of things. So I really want to ask every family group to come with a kind of fasting plan to really humble ourselves before God uh, and to really uh, strive for peace and unity as we begin this year um, together. If we humble ourselves before God, we will have peace together. Uh, God will use us all to make peace more and more in our lives um, and in the church. Uh, so that's the lesson for tonight. Let's go ahead and pray and uh, we'll be uh, dismissed for some great fellowship and to continue to be peacemakers together. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you that your son showed us the way of peace, that he delivered his body over so that we could have peace. Help us, God, not to uh, take that for granted. Help us not to belittle that, God. Help us to think about what, what a blessing it is that we have been offered peace through your son with you. And that as your children, God, we can we can find peace in this life and in this world with one another. And I, God, I pray that we can really be peacemakers, each and every one of us, in our marriages, in our families. In our, in our neighborhoods, God, in our schools, in our communities, 
And God, uh, especially God, right now I pray for the church, God. We can really be a church that's, that's always striving toward peace in the midst of any conflict, God. Please use these scriptures and these thoughts tonight to help us to all strive to be the peacemakers that your children ought to be. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, everybody.